0: Hey Siri, play the Dairy Dive podcast. Okay, playing the Dairy Dive podcast. Buckle up cuz we're diving deep.
1: First of all, we hope we can try to educate you so you learn just a little bit, a little bit. My whole life's been dairy farming. Some days he wonder why you ever milk cows. <laughs> it's kind of
0: just in the blood around here. I don't know what it is, but we like livestock. Buckle up. The dairy Dive starts now. Scott, this is an episode that I was looking forward to greatly recording. We've uh, we we were supposed to record this a couple weeks ago, and um, some technician that edits the podcast got strep throat and couldn't make it in. Yeah, you will. That person will remain nameless, but his initials are me. Andrew Crabtree. Me, it was me. I had some strep throat. And I tried right up until the very end to make it in But I had a high fever And it was definitely better to stay home So I'm glad I've been looking forward to this for weeks We finally got Steve Martin on our podcast Not that Steve Martin When you emailed me And you said Steve Martin's coming on the podcast (laughs) Me and my wife had just been watching uh, There's Only Murderers in the Building On Hulu Have you ever seen that one? I have not It's uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short Ah, Sounds good It's pretty fantastic But yeah, Steve Martin was on the show today, people Yeah And I hope that uh, when we advertise this as guest host uh, Steve Martin I hope that we get lots of people who are confused and think it is that Steve Martin Because it's an interesting episode and they're going to like it anyway Yeah, we do what we got to do He does not play the banjo, you did ask him I did, yeah He's got a great voice though, as you'll hear you guys are going to hear this guy here in a second. You're going to think this has got to be a country music star.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't... We didn't ask him if he dis, if he did sing, but, I mean, I, if he's not, Steve, as you go back and listen to this, Steve, you, you should think about it.
0: You at least have a career in uh, karaoke. Absolutely. It's awesome. So, artificial intelligence. Uh, I think one of the, the points that you guys brought home that, that, that the listener will hear in a minute, but uh, artificial intelligence is not some concept for the future. Uh, it's, it is today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, and it scares us. I mean, well, we've seen Terminator. Us, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it scares us as professionals. Am I going to be replaced? It scares us as people just, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just think that all around it, there's just some, it's the unknown. It's the, you know, devil, you know, kind of thing. And, you know, it just, it just terrifies us.
0: Yeah. What was the uh, what was the movie with Will Smith? Was it iRobot? Is that a thing? iRobot yeah. iRobot, and then obviously the Terminator series doesn't paint artificial intelligence in a very positive light either. No. Um, so are we worried then? I mean, is this what the episode is about? Are we worried that the computers are going to slaughter
1: our dairy cows? Is that? I think it's more. It probably oh. comes along the lines of uh, you know, is it going to be? Is it going to eliminate jobs? Is it going to eliminate people? You know. I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, as you'll see and as we talk about, there's definitely more emphasis on the beneficial aspects of it. Um, do that, we or do we
0: not need to be worried about our Arnold Schwarzenegger showing up on the dairy?
1: I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. No. no that I makes the we're... conversation easier. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, Arnold should be a big fan of dairy because, I mean, you get a, you can get a lot of protein. Yeah. You know, from some dairy products. Some good protein.
0: Well, on that note, we're going to play uh, play a little transition music, and then Scott will be back with Steve Martin.
1: He'll <laughs> be back. All right, so to talk a little bit about a very interesting topic, a, anytime we hear AI, and I think you can, uh, so artificial intelligence, and I think if you have a room of 50 people uh, when they hear AI, they either tend to go very one side or the other on this topic as far as they, whether it being a good thing or a challenge or scary or, or whatever it may be. And so we're going to dive into this, into the idea from, from dairy and uh, particularly, you know, if uh, will AI replace the dairy nutritionist? And uh, that's kind of a scary question to think about. And so we've got uh, Steve Martin, not that Steve Martin, a different Steve Martin. Uh, Unless you do play banjo, I don't know. Do you play banjo, Steve? Uh, I do not. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, Steve, tell us kind of who you are, uh, where you're located, and what is your... So DNMC is what, uh, I believe, your company. So what is that?
2: Yep. So DNMC stands for Dairy Nutrition and Management Consulting. Um, It's a very poorly named company, I must admit, but it kind of describes what we do. And since it's so long, we um, we kind of just go by the moniker of DNMC. And uh, I live in the Florida Panhandle um, from Alabama originally. So I, uh, when my youngest graduated from high school out west, we moved back closer to home. But our business is mostly based in the High Plains area. Um, we started the company in about 2007 uh, in the Texas Panhandle. And we have nutritionists that uh, live in uh, Texas, um, Colorado, um, Kansas, and, and I live in Florida, and we do some work in both in all those areas as a kind of a traditional nutrition consulting company.
1: Okay, and so you have how many nutritionists that you work with across the country?
2: Yeah, so we, there, there's, there's four of us that um, <clears throat> would be considered formulating consulting nutritionists, and then we have uh, one nutrition tech, which is a young person that we hired in the last couple of years. And then we actually have another nutrition tech that uh, lives in South Africa, uh, which is her home. She managed dairies here in, in the States and then went back home. And she's uh, a lot of our data data collecting and analysis efforts. And so she works while we sleep and that works pretty good. But uh, so it was a total of six of us uh, counting the two technicians.
1: Gotcha, great. That sounds pretty interesting. So we, got, uh, we asked Steve to join us from an article that I had uh, found in progressive dairyman uh, a, a while now a couple of months ago i don't remember the exact month it was in but um what exact would you can probably look it up but um and it's a really good article i definitely suggest you go out and read it um but it, there's a you kind of start off with what i thought was a pretty nice comparison of kind of a using ai writing a letter to mom and uh you know can ai write better letters I'll, also could it build better rations so kind of talk about where you start off in this article and that that kind of comparison that you make
2: yeah so this is a a topic that i've been trying to learn a little bit more about uh in the previous uh year or so and uh one small correction the article was in hordes not progressive so make sure that Ah, we keep keep all the keep all the editors happy in that area um but uh <laughs> good catch so so i had contemplated writing this um and you know I, I do a fair amount of writing for hordes and one of the one of the things that i try to do in my writing is to um it's, it's almost more of an editorial feel um you know i'll talk about science topics and economic topics but Um, you know, one of the things that I do is to not get overly detailed in any uh, particular discussion, just to plant ideas and and thoughts in people's minds and make them think about stuff. And so um, so I jokingly say that sometimes I try to write things that are so general that nobody can really disagree with any particular points. And every once in a while (laughs) I cross that line. um, I don't want to have to go dig out journal articles to support my opinion um, unless I have to. But I thought this one might generate some interest in... And it really did because um, I think the concept of technology in general is something that uh, tends to divide uh, people. And I don't, and it doesn't have to be specifically in dairy in any industry or any phase of life, that there tends to be two groups of people, people that, that are trying to hold on to, um, to the way they got there or the past a little bit and the things they liked about that. And then there's people that are eager to say, okay, how, how can we do this different in the next generation? So when I wrote this article about artificial intelligence, and in, um, particularly in, in dairy nutrition, um, the con, you know, it generated more comments than average on some of the social media platforms that we push these articles through. And it was a pretty predictable um, split of uh, old versus young folks that uh, thought, man, this is awesome, what's the future hold, versus, you know, the, hey, this will never work um you know feeding cows is different than uh, a computer can really handle and so i just wanted to present the ideas and certainly in in no ways um want to ever present myself as an expert on 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 artificial intelligence um I, I i do have interest in that and have probably for this podcast actually done a little bit more study background just to make sure that i uh, in my goal to keep my goal to keep things general so that we don't misspeak. Um, you know, the I, I have learned a little bit about you know this about AI and how it's gonna change the way we do a lot of things and, and trying to present that to, you know, people that I come across in, in business in particular. I was in Italy last week doing some training for a feed company there and um, some nutrition training, and I brought this topic up, and this is a room of probably forty or fifty. Um, nutrition people from a large feed company in Italy and not a single one of them uh, even had any concept of this um, this topic as it relates to what we do and I find that's the same here as well so I think it's a it's, we're plowing new ground here as it relates to taking things that we normally would do each day on our cell phone and combining that into our traditional work of building dairy rations
1: yeah I think that's a great way of saying it I you know I think when you think about ai and i've definitely seen um even you know in my lifetime i'm 44 years old and um i don't think i even probably grasp how much ai is used in my everyday life Um, you know i think when you think about particular like uh, you know bots and things like that that you're communicating with when you go onto a website and things like that you know i think that if uh, people, I think people still oftentimes really think they're talking to somebody when they may actually not be. And yeah. so I think it's a bigger part of our life than I realize. So then my question is, aren't we already
2: doing some of this yeah. on, yeah, on we, the, you know, <clears throat> yeah, we are. And, 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 uh, so I, and go back, I didn't answer your specific question about, uh, about the letter to mom and, and I'll go back and touch that real quick because, um, it, it, it You're right, we as just consumers and people living in 2023, uh, nearly all of us, if we're using any kind of technology are touching um, AI already, and we may not know it um, and probably have been for a while. And so maybe it's the the bot that you're uh, chatting with on a text, uh, customer support, may even be a um, a, a person you're talking to when you call an 800 number. it, it, it's I think the, the, the point the, the place that probably the, the majority of people could kind of grasp what this really is is, is think, just thinking about having a conversation with Siri or um, a lot of new vehicles um, you know also will talk to you so this is all in the same vein of um, conversational uh, bots that are basically instead of using the human brain they're using information available on, on the, the internet and I guess in every piece of literature everywhere that's connected to what we have, you know, the, the world wide web is truly worldwide. And, and so these bots can basically talk with you using that uh, that, that giant connected database as the brain to generate the, uh, um, the content that they're going to tell you when you ask it a question. So most of them are question um, driven. And I think it's, you know, very much if you ask Siri or Google, you know, what restaurants are close to me, um, you know, that would be just wading into the very shallow water of AI, because it's, it's basically trying to converse with you. And, and you know, when, when they create Siri to be a, a, a person, however many years ago Apple did that, I mean, th- this is what they had in mind. And so now I think you can, uh, there's, you know, there's two or three different there may be more platforms. Chat, GPT is the one you hear the most about. Uh, lately in the news, there's uh, Microsoft, Bing is, uh, is is getting a lot of um, conversation lately. And then uh, Google, I think Google just calls theirs Google quantum AI or something. But all these are platforms that you can just basically conversate with and ask them different things. And so you could technically say, hey, uh, you know, write a letter to my mom because i'm busy and i need to send her a letter and it could conceptually uh, go dig into your facebook account and your google maps and and uh see where you've been spending your money and it could basically take and give your mom a synopsis of your life lately based off all the other things that it's recording about you and and the the funny thing is is that you know it can probably write better than you can unless you're an english major And so um, I think I made the comment in your uh, in the article that your mom might be impressed with how your English skills have improved since high school when they were your parents were helping you with uh, with your classes. But uh, it's really it's really endless. Um, You know, AI doesn't have a soul, obviously, and it doesn't have the same human um, qualities as far as. values that that we would have but if if you're just strictly talking about information and data i think the uh the the top is unlimited yeah i think
1: mom might be impressed with your writing skills but she might be concerned about the amount of money you're spending at the bar (laughs) or something like that possibly if you give her free access to the uh... yeah you might need some you might need some
2: filters for some of that right yeah you better you better pre-read that's
1: for sure right Mm -hmm. so it's yeah. funny, yeah. though. But, I mean, it brings home the point of it's collecting a lot of information to create this, for example, of this one, a letter, right? So, in theory, Steve, is it safe to say that what we're really looking at is maybe this AI's ability potentially to collect a lot more data than maybe we're even capable of as people to create these rations. And so the the question um, is do we really
2: need AI to use all of this information to build this better ration? Yeah. So I think that looking toward the future and what AI could do um, should remind us, you know, what tools do we already have in our tool belt that we've been using for a number of years that are in the same realm of, of the computer being smarter than us? And that's something I really like to say to my um, to my clients or to people I collaborate with, colleagues is is that yeah your computer truly is smarter than you, so make sure that you um, utilize it in a way that you can take your intuition plus its knowledge and come up with a uh, a good solution for whatever you're doing. So as it relates to I mean particularly building dairy rations, um, I think one of the comical things is as I was kind of getting ready for this podcast, doing a little bit of. Study on um, just what AI is doing for people. One of the things that I think is one of its early um, uses is people are using it to build recipes for their kitchen. And there's actually some bots that you can go to, and you can go stand in front of your refrigerator, and you can say, "Okay, I've got you know a half a head of lettuce, and I've got um, I've got some leftover um, barbecue from the store, and I've got." you know mayonnaise and whatever and give the list of things and it will basically say okay well based off with of what you got here's something you can cook and it gives you the recipe and the whole shebang and uh you know that's that's eerily close to, to uh standing in front of a commodity barn to dairy and thinking okay how can we put uh put this corn and soybean meal and alfalfa and corn silage together and build a ration so clearly they're two very different um levels of, of, uh, fine tuning necessary, um, and making combining leftovers, um, you know, to, to, to building a fine tuned dairy ration. But like you say, the, the real question is, okay, what, what of this can we leverage into, um, being better feeders and better producers of milk, better feeders of animals and producers of milk. And so I go back to, if you Google Artificial learning, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and all of this. One of the things that you that you see as a common thing is optimization. And so, um, you know, we've been optimizing rations for for uh, fifty years, probably. We've had when I think back to when I was in school in the nineteen eighties, um, we had the early versions of linear programs um, for uh, formulating diets, and. Um, you know, we uh, even before that, my uh, even when my dad was in grad school, he you know he would tell me about the computer cards that they would use, where they would basically do linear programming and have these boxes of these cards, and they'd go hole punch cards and they'd dump them in this big machine, and it would it would sort through them as if, as if like a person dealing cards. At a casino, but they would basically that would be the there is solving for um, solving for um, the best answer, the best solution for for lots of different things, and so um, the linear programming ability of um, of the ration models that we have been using now for thirty years um, have in my view been um, poorly um, poorly utilized at, at the farm level. And um, so, you know, we don't need to sit, simply jump over linear programming as example and traditional optimization and ration models to go all the way to um, artificial intelligence because they're all, they're all in the same direction of using the computer um, to do tasks for you that they can do better and faster than you can. So, you know, linear programming combined with machine learning, combined with artificial intelligence, maybe that's the the sweet spot for how do we actually utilize this to build a better ration and and, you know make our clients and our producers more profitable
1: absolutely i would there's definitely times when i'd be very impressed if i could get tell them what's in my fridge and they could make a meal out of it because uh, it's pretty unimpressive every once in a while you know what can i make out of a few batteries some baking soda and some expired milk what do you got what yep. can he make? <laughs> uh, but that's a great illustration of, you know, when you're standing there and, you know, you're producing. You know, I think – I mean, I, I, this is definitely – I'm kind of stretching outside of my knowledge base a little bit here. But I think particularly for the the farms that are maybe really struggling with being able to have all the components they need for co- from a cost standpoint or something, you know, if you can develop a system – that's going to have a lot more data points that says, hey, what if we looked at it like this? What if we could lower our cost a little bit by doing this? Or, You know, it's going to be able to pull data from so many different points. So I really think what you're talking about could have a benefit for so many people across the board if we do it, you know, correctly. And it's going to take time. So, you know, I, I think that the natural question that people are going to ask and all of our, hopefully, our uh, dairy nutritionists that listen to us are, haven't shut us off or anything Um, the natural question is steve could could you one day be replaced in making rations or or maybe even writing articles like you did for hordes
2: yeah well i would say that the article writing would be a a significantly easier replacement than the ration formulation so um i you know i think already stuff that we're reading you think about the amount of content that's on social media and that's when you go to a web page you know the things you have to look past the clickables you have to look past to get what you're really looking for i mean all of those contain text that at a high at an increasing rate is generated by by ai it's not somebody sitting down typing that out anymore it's someone giving them the computer the goal of what they want it to communicate and then the ai creates the text and so hopefully somebody's um proofing that and so that it actually says what uh what you want it to say. But the ability to put text together and write our articles obviously is in a totally different um, arena than building a, a complicated dairy ration that will keep a cow safe. So, you know, my thought is, okay, what parts of AI and computer learning, machine learning can we use to help us be better nutritionists? And and so, you know, there's parts of this thing that, uh, that we're already You know trying to combine all the information so if you think about a dairy that is has you look at from an input and an output side on the input side we have you know mostly feed obviously there's labor and and uh, fuel and different things but we have some options on the things that we feed and it's not like we have knobs in our computers or on the cows that can you know just toggle butter fat and protein up and down based off what the market may want but i mean it is feasible to think that that we could begin to um, think about seasonally what, um, what milk markets may want. And um, we can begin to predict and plan, as an example, let's say the, the day that school's out. And so in, in, in March or May, when uh, fluid milk sales are gonna go down in some areas, I know that's a little bit more of a thing of the past, but it's a good example of, okay, well, we, you know, that may be a time where we need to shift some milk um, some designer milk instead of producing it for cartons to go into schools. Maybe we need to try to produce milk that's going to be more targeted for a cheese plant. And so, um, what can we do in the ration in advance of that, and um, to to begin to um, you know uh, expect that that need and that change coming. And so, you set up systems by which that uh, predict predict the future based off the learning of the past and so um, you know we talk about the art and the science of feeding cows and to, to me the the science is, is fairly well science and economics I think would be put together but the art part of it is, is you know maybe that's experience and, and our intuition that you gain um, based off doing it for a long time so you know maybe the machine learning that is so prevalent in all of this I mean the 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 AI, yeah, part of it is just looking through the internet, grabbing information, but also it, part of it's machine learning where it's basically looking at inputs and outputs of whatever model or system you're working on and it begins to learn how to better predict um, the result of whatever's happening today. So, so you know, a particular dairy, for instance, could, could begin to learn based off the way the cows produce and the weather and um, the needs of the milk plant that it ships to, and over time it could begin to take the data that drives those expectations and actually predict them instead of, instead of waiting to respond to them. And so, an example of that might be that if every year, um, you know, we, so this is a great example. So, those of us in the West are finally getting, after the last few years, getting accustomed to what tiered milk pricing is and so you know i think people in canada and other places and maybe some people in other states have have had tiered milk pricing in the past for a long time where they're you know if they went above their base that they got less money for that additional milk so you know there's certain things in the market and in the supply that that predict when that actually is going to happen and so if if you had um, this type of data feeding into some type of artificial intelligence machine learning bot, then it could begin to sense those triggers in advance of that change. And it might, for instance, change your calling strategy. Instead of getting a call from the co-op saying, hey, on Monday you're going to tier two pricing, what if you had things in, in set up in your system such that you were predicting Um, on an ongoing basis the chance of of moving into some tiered pricing such that you might have said gosh if I'd have known this you know last week or two weeks ago we would have changed our beef list we would have early dried some cows we would have um, sold a load of springers instead of freshening them so there's just so many things that that the AI world can do for us that um, that things like, you know, the, the nutritionist and the, the biologist and the economist can basically build these, um, algorithms and things to predict, uh, so that the computer can always be thinking while we're sleeping or playing, whatever the computer's thinking, okay, what's, what's tomorrow going to look like? What's next month going to look like? And what decisions can we make today to be ready to pivot, um, quickly to, changes that uh that based off statistics and and predictions of algorithms that are probably going to happen. And uh you know that's a long way from me sitting down and telling a guy, okay, we need to feed two and a half pounds of soybean meal and five pounds of, of uh corn gluten feed and two and a half pounds of cotton seed. Um, you know, that's a long way from that, but that they they come together and begin to influence each other. So I don't think we're there yet. I asked somebody that uh, is, was on the NASEM committee for the new NRC that came out. I said, do you think that ChatGPT Chat has access to the to the new NASEM? And he said, well, I don't think so because it's, you know, it's behind a paywall, it's not floating on the internet, but it probably has access to, to the 2001. So it'd just be interesting to go to ChatGPT and say, hey, how, how should I feed my dairy cow and, and see what it says? And I've been a little bit, yeah nervous to do that i don't think it's going to give me a ration yet but uh in the way things go in five years it might three years it might yeah yeah that is interesting you know i i
1: think i can give an example of this that kind of may may kind of sum it up a little bit too so previous uh to my time here here with master's choice i worked in an industry that really utilized uh for as far as lead generation from our website Um, And that with that business and if someone followed the bot prompts and I I have to say I would get the transcript and I have to say, I mean, a very large percentage of them, I think, really uh, assumed they were talking to a person. Um, (laughs) And um, if they followed that bot transcript or if they followed the bot responses correctly, 90 percent of them, I could get an idea of what they were looking for. Now, there always was the 10% that the, you know, even if they followed it, what they needed, the bot just wasn't built for that or it didn't make sense and the, there was a loss there. Um, and so that's kind of what, you know, you're thinking about is, at least for now, I mean, there's going to be a lot of gaps there. I mean, as, as this is built out and, and continues to build and get information, um, there's going to be some gaps there that individual... Uh, Nutritionists or dairy farmers are going to know that that is not ai is not capable of knowing that right now mm-hmm. right so you know i think that that kind of does that make sense does that kind of no it does i mean about?
2: exactly i mean it, it it's how can we dip in and out of this technology um in in a thoughtful way so that we can you know not not drive the whole thing into the ditch but but use it where it's uh you know where it's where it's helpful and but, you know we we just continually be challenged if you look back to the things we used to think i think i don't care if it's in life or in business it's like what well, you know what, what do i believe today to be true that's really not and um you know i wrote an article one time it said you know what is the fake news on your dairy so when i come onto a dairy you know <laughs> as a visit what what are the things that they tell me or that the data tells me that i believe that are actually not true so that you know this you know we got to be careful because all that all that information can, can go into the machine learning as an error and you know we when we do a lot of data work in our company where we present you know um, dashboards and different things for our clients on performance and you know, we we spend a lot of time cleaning data you know dairy data is messy and you know there's we're out there doing we have very high-tech um, machines and technology that's living in the outdoors where there's blizzards and 50 mile an hour dust storms out out west and blizzards and up north and um you know cold weather hot weather rain all types of things high humidity low humidity and so there's just going to be stuff that shows up in the numbers that are just flat out wrong and so you have to clean data if you're going to use it to predict the future or, or or even just in basic decision making but i do think about the things that we say are impossible. And I mean, I remember maybe 15 years ago, we used to think, you know, the dairy industry is different than the swine and the poultry industry is from an integration standpoint because, you know, chickens and pigs are way more predictable. Their housing is more consistent. Their rations are more consistent. There's just less variability. The genetics are more the same. And we say, you know, dairy farms are, everyone's different, the forages are different, the weather's different, the housing's different. So many differences in in things that that we thought we'll never be able to, you know, consolidate the dairy industry because every dairy is its own own little place. And, and, you know, we thought, okay, maybe the 2,500 cow unit is the right size for a long time. Maybe in the early 2000s, we felt like that was, if you went bigger than that, you didn't gain in, you know, um, economies of scale and you began to wobble. But you know, look at the units that are going up now. You know, there's there's dairies going up now that have multiple uh, hundred hundred cow rotaries being built that um, that you know are, are going to be successful. And so, you know, the 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 things that we thought were not possible w- with a dairy farm, you know, even twelve fifteen years ago, are happening today. So. You know what? Why would we limit ourselves to think? Okay, these things are not possible today, and and limit ourselves for where we can be in uh, in the next you know ten to fifteen years. So I think opening ourselves up to these concepts is is the way to be ready for that. Um, You know, I've got some clients that would look at me and tell me, say, say, "Hey, we are not early adopters on anything. You know, we want to we don't want to be the early adopter." And so, you know, they, I need to know that about them. But there are some other farms that that might look at this and say, "Huh, how can we, how can we spend a little money, a little time thinking about about how to, you know, dip into the edge of this pond that is AI and and pick and choose some parts of it that can help make us more profitable um, going 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 in the future." And I think that's where we need to be open to the idea and not close-minded, which is. You know i mean it, it, we got to make sure we don't just turn this into a, a cowboy business that's all run on the back of a napkin at a, at a coffee shop and you know i'm i talk about cowboy math all the time and, and yes we are in agriculture and we love the parts of that that connect back to a lot of you know fun things that we like to think about but you know we're in big business now we have to use data we have to use technology we got to feed the world and, and and stuff like this is going to help us get that done
1: Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And you know, hopefully, we've uh, you know, you've given people a lot of information that they can kind of start digging around on this for themselves and be thinking about what this could look like for them, and the predictability aspect, and just how it's a benefit to the farm, and how do we utilize it versus being necessarily afraid of it. Um, yeah. so, <clears throat> so, if there was one kind of last thing as we were kind of wrap this up maybe it wasn't in the article or you I know you said you've done some research, um, even since the article, um, any one last thing that you'd want to hit on Steve and make sure to get across to people.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that I would just use this AI opportunity and machine learning as, as a proxy for, you know, what are the things that we're holding on to, um, from the past and in, in the dairy industry, that have gotten us where we're where we are. So we need to have, have um, appropriate um, credibility for for those things. But a lot of the things that got us here, you know, are not going to be part of our business going forward. And so, if you if if you're thinking in a ten to fifteen year um, format, you know, what including AI, you know, what other things are um, you know, or, or do we need to open our minds up to, um, to, um, you know, to be successful, um, with, we have tighter and tighter margins. We have larger and larger swings and in, in input costs and output values. And, you know, we have to try to be better at all these things. And so I just, I feel like that if we, if we keep, if we have a closed mind to things like AI, we're, we're going to miss we're going to miss it. And I mean, you know, we're competing, you know, we're in a competitive, uh, market for food. And, um, thank goodness that there's, you know, the, there's plenty of people in the world to eat, you know, cause not only do we compete with the, the other, um, uh, uh beverages that want to call themselves milk and we compete, uh, in the beef side with, uh, with our friends that are in the poultry and the swine, um, sectors and, you know, honestly, Uh, the dairy industry and cattle in general. I mean, we're just a little, we're kind of a big lumbering. um, uh, We have efficiency issues we need to be better at. And we're, and and we just, you know, if you compare ourselves to the chickens and the pigs, I mean, we've, we've, we've got a long way to go. And um, obviously we have the, the upside of the ability to take more than any other animal species take low quality inputs um like crop stubble and trash and turn it into milk and meat and ice cream and steaks and so you know that's that's what we have on the pigs and chickens but we we have we we're we're behind in a lot of other areas and so we have to be smarter and um and, and be more open to the new technologies of things like like ai but one last thing i'd say that is is in the this genre but um but not exactly to this level of of detail is you know talk to your forage lab right now uh, as an example there's some forage labs right now that are really trying to get in front of the the data information flow and trying to have um, really high level um, sinking of nutrient analysis in real time and in ration changes in real time so you know that's a little bit like this that's that's an example of stepping and dipping your toe in the edge of all this is like let's just Let's get the information flow talking so that we can respond rapidly. And then, and then for the nutritionists out there, I just I feel like as an industry we are very much underutilizing the linear program, linear programming that's been available to us for fifty years in our ration models to uh, to build better, cheaper rations. And so those are a couple of high points. Um, let's figure out how to you know be smart with AI for the coming years. But let's don't forget to utilize the technology that we have today and. And uh, make sure we can uh, produce milk and keep our clients in business, have the dairies be profitable, and and feed a lot of people along the way.
1: Perfect. Yeah, I I, I think that uh, this should hopefully get your head spinning a little bit in a good way, listener, to think – you know, am I examining this at all? Am I thinking about this at all? Um, and if not, you definitely need to be. So, so Steve, if someone wants to maybe get a hold of you and discuss this topic or maybe you just really intrigue them and they maybe even like to work with you, what's the best way for someone to do that?
2: Yeah, so, you know, we're, we're on social media and uh, our website is, is uh, dnmcmilk.com. So it's the four letters, Dairy Nutrition Management Consulting, dnmcmilk.com. We also have dnmcbeef.com. We do a fair amount of beef work in the High Plains. Uh, but we're on Facebook as dnmcmilk. Uh, LinkedIn has, you know, I, I would have bet against LinkedIn five years ago of being a, a contributor in the world. But it really... For not so much the producer side of the business, but the but the professionals, um, the, the the consultants and the salespeople and the um, and the uh, university people, LinkedIn has just been a great way to connect with people all over the world, and so that's another place you can find our company's on there is DNMC Milk, and I'm on there, Steve Martin. Um, my email is steve at dnmcmilk.com and yeah, let's start a conversation. Great, yeah. I actually believe,
1: if I am not mistaken, that's how I found you because I found I found the article, but I don't think it may have had the email. I think I may have had to find you through LinkedIn. I got a little stalker yeah. in me, Steve, so I found you. Yeah, well, we 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 all do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we'd like to again appreciate and thank Steve uh, for coming on. We hope you enjoyed this and got some value out of it, and we'll continue to to seek this out. We ask also, uh, you know, you are obviously you are listening to this podcast. Um, We're on all, all podcast platforms, I believe. And we also have some other areas you can check us out on YouTube, uh, Facebook. Um, you can actually find me on LinkedIn. I don't know that we have a Master's Choice LinkedIn page, but you can definitely find me for sure. Um, and Instagram. And so a lot of different areas and a lot of different topics that we go through. Subscribe to the Dairy Dive. We love to keep topics relative and, and new. We want to make sure you're getting that information. So, again, we want to thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. And with that, I hope you enjoyed this Dairy Dive podcast.
0: Well, that's it for today's episode of the Dairy Dive. We hope you enjoyed the new format. And if you did, we would so appreciate it if you would leave us a review, a good one, we hope. Uh, But those reviews help us increase our visibility and uh, reach more people in the dairy community. So thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.